If you don't have a Bible, there should be some under every second and third chair somewhere around you. Um, If you don't own a Bible, I want you to take and keep that Bible. That's our gift to you. We want you to have the word. And so please uh, take that if you don't physically own a Bible. You can also follow along on your smartphone if you wish. If you have the YouVersion app underneath the tab section, uh, type live, click on the Will Austin, and you'll be able to follow along that way. There's all the notes, all the places for sermon. There's a poll question. You can also just take this link and put it right into your browser if you want, and you can actually follow along that way. So We want you looking at the word, especially today, as we jump around a little bit throughout scripture, uh, we want you to make sure that you're laying your eyes upon what God's word has to say. All right, here we go. So today, the topic we're going to be discussing is the topic of joy, all right? Now, not just the experience of joy, though we will be hitting on that too, but the fact that Jesus himself is our literal joy. And so it's fun even to see all the joy that's being expressed because it gives us an idea and a concept as to what's happening. But Jesus is our literal joy and our example of what joy is. And so before we dive into scripture, okay, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Joy is not an emotion, all right? Joy is not, let me say, just an emotion, let me say. Okay, Uh, some of you are still humming, oh, come let us adore him. So let me say this again, all right? Joy is not an emotion only, okay? Joy is a state of being that is experienced as the Christian knows and experiences Christ in their relationship with him. And so joy is more of a state of being than it is just an emotion. Now, joy can definitely produce emotion, no doubt, right? Joy can produce happiness. Joy can produce cheerfulness. Joy can produce gladness and all of these other things that we do want and look for, but it's not an emotion per se, all right? I looked at several different Bible dictionaries as we were uh, preparing for this, and they all uniformly agreed on this. Every single one of them said, joy is not an emotion. And so let me say it again. I'm not talking about happiness today, okay? I'm talking about joy. Happiness is a dim shadow of the joy that can be experienced in the Christian in their soul, all right? Happiness is a shadow of that. Happiness is is a small stream compared to the Niagara Falls of joy, right? Joy is so much deeper. It's so much richer, all right? So are we on the same page? We're tracking with me? Okay, so uh, we're going to be running all around scripture today. So by the way, if you're not using version and you don't feel comfortable navigating back and forth through the Bible, uh, don't get lost. Okay, all the scripture is going to be up on the screen. And so I don't want you to feel, you know, discouraged trying to run around because we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures today. Um, but what is an Advent story without starting in a birth of Christ text? And so that's why we're starting Luke chapter two, and we're going to pick it up there in verse eight. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Now notice here that uh, this baby being born, Jesus, should produce great joy, it says, but not just for the shepherds, like the angels appearing to the shepherds, but it says not just for the shepherds, not just for the nation of Israel, though we knew that Jesus was the coming fulfillment of the Messiah, but it says that this will be joy for all peoples. 
that this baby being born should produce joy, not just for Israel, but for all people, which includes you and I in here today, unless you are not a person, which that's strange, all right? Now, why is that? Why is it that the birth of Jesus should produce joy in all people? Well, because Jesus Christ very simply was the savior of the world. Jesus was who for thousands and thousands of years, every single person was waiting for, listen, whether they knew it or not. Whether they knew that they were looking for Jesus and waiting for Jesus or not, Jesus was the fulfillment of every single person's expectations. By believing in Jesus Christ, you and I can have a right relationship with God. Like, like that is what should begin to bring us joy. Everything that our soul craves, everything that our soul desires, everything that we look for can be found in the loving arms of Christ our Savior, the King. Like this is glorious news. This should bring you great joy because Jesus is everything that we need. Jesus is what we hope for. Listen, the search is over. Amen? The search is over. Like what your soul desires can be found in Christ. And so the gospel or the good news of Jesus' perfect birth, life, burial, and resurrection, notice the perfection of Jesus throughout that. We know if you're familiar with the, the gospel story, Jesus was born of a virgin, literally a perfect birth, a perfect life, a perfect death, burial, and resurrection. That truth, the believing in that truth can satiate your soul in the way that nothing else can. That can satisfy you in the way that nothing else can. See, many people, I think, they think that God is a killjoy, okay, right? Like, like once you believe in Christ, once you become a Christian, you can no longer have fun, okay? That's a lot of people's hesitancy, actually, about coming toward Christ because they feel like God is a killjoy. Like, once you become a Christian, you can only say Christian words, you can only drink Christian drinks, you can only listen to really cheesy Christian music, and you can only watch bad Christian movies, and that's what it means to be a Christian, right? And they don't want that because they feel like that's a killjoy, okay? Some of them are like, I don't even know if Duck Dynasty counts. Like, I think he says something, and so there's all this, and that's what we think, right? But that's not what being a Christian means, Okay, by no means. In fact, friends, I can testify with everything in me that true joy, what our heart's desire can only be found in Jesus Christ. That everything that our soul craves can come in Jesus. God doesn't come to destroy our joy. God comes to awaken our joy. We don't know joy before we actually come into a relationship with Christ. And so Jesus coming into the world awakened an ability for us to be able to satisfy in the Savior. We can now know God. We can have relationship with him. He illuminates joy for us. This is beautiful. Right, like, like Jesus can come to give us joy. And so now, listen to me, something like, uh, uh, what's something good? Something like wine, okay? Wine doesn't have to be our joy. Now we know a lot of people who that is their joy, right? Like they have to use uh, uh, wine or alcohol, whatever, to, to, to give them some sort of, of what they think they're experiencing in joy. Now that does not have to be our joy. We can actually enjoy that and let it remind us of the true joy that we have in Christ, or, 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 or having a car, like having a good job, having, having a marriage, whatever it may be, that does not have to be our joy now. It's not have to be what we hope for and long for. All of those good things, mind you, those are all good things, can actually be things that point us to our true joy in Christ. And so then whether we have a kind of trashy car, 
like me, <laughs> all right, or whether we have been blessed with kind of a nice car, okay, whichever way it is, both of those can just be a reflection of the true joy that we have in Christ. And so Jesus comes to give us true joy. We now have an enrichment in our hearts that is unreal. We have something that all of our souls crave, whether we know it or not. Our taste buds for joy become more exaggerated as we become a Christian. You taste joy far greater than you ever could have even thought possible because Christ is the fulfillment of joy. In fact, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 8, I love this verse, says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice, listen, with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Okay, like, like listen, every single word that I can try to organize together to create a sentence cannot even begin to explain the joy that is to be had for us in Christ. It is joy inexpressible. We cannot express the amount of joy that can be had in Christ. And so I can try to orate as much as I humanly can to try to talk about the joy that is had in Christ, and I can't even come close to it. Like, there is an inexpressible joy. I can plead and beg, and I can't even begin to tell you the joy that is found in Christ. It is inexpressible, the text says. But for the Christian, for those who have tasted the goodness of Christ, you have experienced that before. You know that it runs so deep in your soul. That there's something to be had about Jesus. The, the ecstasy of joy that can be found in Christ is unimaginable and inexplainable. You have the glory of the God of the universe dwelling in your hearts because of Jesus Christ, and one day you will be with him forever. This is joy inexpressible. The Westminster Confession, which is a popular Christian creed of sorts, has as their very first question, what is the chief end of man? Now, the creeds used to be used to help people understand scripture. They, they didn't have the Bible as readily handily as you and I do today. Some of you are on your phone. Some of you have it on the book. We have it in 25 different versions. But the creeds were used to help people uh, remember and to remember what the, te- what the scriptures actually say. And so one of the most popular ones says, what is the chief end of man? Like, why do we exist? What are we here for? The answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, to enjoy or to have joy. This is what they're saying that the scripture says, why we exist. We literally exist to glorify God, make much of him, and then to enjoy him, to be filled with joy in who Jesus is, to enjoy God forever. Okay, now, some of you may ask, well, well how come I don't experience that type of joy, right? Like, like, how come I don't feel that type of joy? And let me say two things. One, if you don't yet know Jesus as your Savior, if you have not entered into a relationship with him, this type of joy can only be found in Christ. Because as we'll explain today, Christ is our literal joy. Okay, like, like, like Christ is joy, in fact. It is impossible to attain true joy apart from Jesus. And so if you have yet to enter into a relationship with him, I would say this is one of the reasons why you can't experience this type of joy. But he's there. He's free. He wants to give himself to you. That's why he was born into this world, to bring a relationship about. But for the Christian, I would say that there are two big reasons why I think that we don't experience the type of joy that Scripture promises that we can have. 
right? So like if you're a Christian and you say, hey, 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 I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't get this. I don't, I don't feel this fully. I don't feel this always. Let me give us two reasons why, okay? Firstly, one reason, oftentimes I think that uh, suffering or, or dry seasons, uh, dark night of the soul type seasons, I think that we think that those seasons are an enemy to our joy, but that actually is not true. Suffering is not an enemy to our joy. Listen, while suffering may be an enemy to happiness, which it is, okay, it is not a suffering to joy. And no amount of suffering could ever even scratch the surface of the joy that can be had in Christ. But, so I would say the first reason why we don't experience it is because we're looking for the wrong thing. We're defining it wrong, okay? Like, if I'm trying to shoot a target, but I don't know what I'm trying to shoot, I'm not going to hit whatever the target is, right? And so if we are trying to attain this joy in Christ, but we don't know what it is, then how can we attain it? And I think that for a lot of us, we think that joy is an emotion. And then when suffering or dark seasons come in where we don't feel the emotion of happiness, we think that we don't have joy, but that's not true. Joy is still for us in Christ. We're just not attaining it in the right way, okay? The past... uh, Month and a half, maybe two months, I'll say, has been a really, really, really big struggle for me, personally, all right? There have been a lot of different things that have been going on that have really weighed heavy on me. In fact, if you have met with me at all in the past two months, you've heard me say that, okay? Several people in here just smiled because that is true, right? It's just been a very, very hard season for me. There's been a lot of uh, relational things going on that are just hard for me. I, I, I don't, I love unity. I'm a people pleaser, but I also just love people. And when there's conflict, it's hard. There's been a lot of uh, bad or kind of mean things said. There have been people that have left for different reasons. And it's just hard sometimes to, to taste that a little bit, right? And then this past week, okay, just to, I feel like this past week is a good picture of my past couple of months as a whole. Monday, I got really, really sick. By really sick, like I slept for like 15 hours on Monday. I detest that, okay, because this was a really busy week too and I wanted to work. And instead I'm laying in my bed not being able to do anything. Also, I am definitely in the top 25 in the world at bad suffering, all right? Like when I suffer, I suffer very poorly, okay? And so the ironic thing was that Natalie got sick on Tuesday because Micaiah was sick on Saturday and we were potty training her. So we have a child trying to be potty trained and she's throwing up all over the place. That's fun, right? Uh, and then I got sick and then Natalie gets sick with the same sickness and she's kind of like moving around about the house and like doing a couple things. Then she'll sleep for a while. Then she'll move around and I was like, oh, can you get my water, babe? And it's like right here, okay? All I gotta do is roll over and I can actually grab it, right? So I, d- I don't suffer well, okay? And so it was hard seeing Micaiah uh, uh, go through that. And then Monday, I'm suffering physically, right? Tuesday was my birthday and my wife was sick. That stinks, you know? I just got over my kind of sickness and so I couldn't eat anything. There's like all these cookies. My community group crushed our cookies and I didn't have any of them, right? And like, it was just hard, okay? Uh, And then Tuesday afternoon was kind of the pinnacle. My lovely, beautiful, awesome, fun, great daughter, was running away with my iPad after screaming, no, because I told her she was done because I graciously gave her a half hour to play with it. I'm being a great dad, giving her time. So she runs, I'm sprinting away from me to the fact where I had to like literally start running to kind of catch up to her. And she turned the corner, hit the iPad on the little, uh, the, the door. It went flying across the room, hit the floor and shattered on the floor. 
like shattered, okay? I did not know iPads could break like that, shatter, okay? And so she starts screaming, she's hysterical. And so then I went and I put her down on her bed and I beat her for stealing my joy. <laughs> totally kidding. I'm totally, some of you like Texas EPS real quick, all right? No, I'm, I'm totally kidding, right? No, I, what I did was I sat her down. I was like, Micaiah, you, you deserve a spanking because you were disobeying daddy, but I'm not gonna spank you right now. I'm gonna give you grace. And then I went and explained grace as if a two-year-old could understand what grace even meant, all right? She probably heard spanking, realized she didn't get it, and now she's going to take advantage of me. I don't know, right? But, and I went in the room, and I grabbed the iPad, and I was looking at it, kind of smiling. I thought, man, when she's 15, we're going to laugh at this, right? And I started really thinking, and I thought, started thinking about the sermon. I thought, God, why do you always do this on weeks where I'm preaching a sermon like this? You test what I'm preaching on, right? But I literally thought, what is the worst thing that can happen to me? Like, break a $600 iPad, that stinks, you know. Get physically sick, that stinks. Uh, Having people who I love be physically sick, that stinks. But what is the worst thing that can happen to me? Like, if I die, do you know who I go see? I see Jesus. Like, when I die, I will be in glory. And so the worst thing is death, but yet death is one of my best friends. Because in death, I get to go see the lover of my soul, Jesus. And so no amount of suffering can actually take from me what is truly in me, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Man, come on. That is joy inexpressible. That no amount of suffering, no physical, emotional, spiritual suffering could ever take away from me. You have Jesus If you are his, Jesus is the lover of your soul, and you can tap into this joy as you believe in Christ more. Unfortunately, like I said, I think many of us, myself included, God was very gracious to me to let that happen, because before then, I was just suffering, and I was mad. Mad at God, mad at uh, the church, mad at uh, everybody. People who didn't say exactly what, like, it was just hard to see. And then once I began to put that into perspective, which God allowed me to do through a broken iPad, (laughs) and my daughter peeing on me, which she did later that night, all right? As I began to put that into perspective, I began to realize, man, I still have joy. I still have joy. There is something inside of me that nobody could ever touch or steal, Satan himself. And so what amount of suffering could ever take what I have from me? And so when we don't feel happy, for a lot of us, we think that God has forsaken us or we think that we don't have joy. Happiness and joy are two different things. I was not happy at that moment, but I had joy. And there's a difference, okay? Um, John chapter 16, verses 20 through 24, look what Jesus says about this idea. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. That is very true, Jesus. (laughs) But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into this world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. By the way, rejoice, enjoy, and joy are all kind of the same word in scripture. So you will rejoice or have joy. And no one will take that joy from you. If you are reading in your physical Bible, underline that, circle that, star that, and put amen next to that. That is a good truth. And that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. Why? So that your joy may be full. 
Jesus told them, you will be sorrowful. Why? Because Jesus had died. Like they thought that they had lost their hope. They had finally grasped onto love and they thought they had lost their love. They finally had started experiencing joy and then he's going to die. And they thought that it was gone. That's why we even light the candles to remind us of our hope, love, and now joy, right? That we have in Christ. They thought they had lost it. But then what happened? Jesus resurrected from the grave and he came back again. Now they can have joy again. Look at verse 22. That can never be taken from them. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is situational. Joy is eternal. There is a big, big difference. Joy is understanding who we are and whose we are and then living in light of this reality. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. Jesus is an example of this. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, look, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you think that Jesus was happy when he was about to die on the cross? By no means, right? By no means, definitely not, okay? Like, in fact, Jesus suffered in a way that is unimaginable to our human brains because he drank the wrath of God that was due for us. Jesus suffered in a way that we couldn't even put into words. Jesus was not happy that he was going to suffer. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying, pleading to the Father. If there is another way, would you do that way? Jesus is saying, but not my will, but your will, God, I don't want to go through this. This does not make me happy. I am not smiling while I'm dying on the cross, right? Jesus was not happy, but yet Hebrews 12 says that there was a joy that was set before him. He died for the joy that was set before him, that even upon that moment, he could have joy as he was being led up to the cross because he knew the truth of the gospel, The author tells us that Jesus had joy. How? Because he was looking forward. He was realizing that there was something more, that one day, because of what he was doing, everything would be made right again. Romans chapter five, verse three through five. Paul says, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given to us. We rejoice or take joy in our suffering. Why? Because we like suffering? That's really awkward. No, that's not what scripture is saying to us. It's saying that, hey, we actually can know what suffering produces. We, like Jesus, can look ahead of the suffering see what God is doing through the suffering and then take joy in the midst of that. This is telling us the same thing. We can have joy in our suffering. We can have hope that one day we will be with him and check, be like him. God is making us like him. He's making us like his son and with him, when we are with him, not only will we have joy, but listen to me, we'll have happiness forever too. Since there'll be no more tears in heaven, One day he'll wipe this all away. All the suffering that we experience will be gone. So our joy, once again, I said can produce emotion. One day we'll stand face to face with our creator and we will be happy forever and filled with joy forever. But even today as a Christian, we can be filled with joy forever right now. We can have joy today forever. So suffering is not an enemy of your joy, okay? Suffering is not an enemy of your joy. I know that many of you are probably suffering right now. There are things going on. Maybe there's just dry seasons with the Lord. Maybe you're really struggling in your relationship with him. But joy is deeper than happiness. In fact, sometimes I would even argue that joy can be experienced better in suffering. 
because it reminds you of who and whose you truly are. But we can have joy inexpressible through him. So the first answer as to why we don't experience joy is because we're defining it wrong. Okay, we're thinking that joy is happiness and that's not true. There's something deeper. We're looking at the wrong thing. Secondly, though, I think one of the reasons why we don't have as much joy as what God would have for us is that we need to learn to treasure and to understand more and more of who Jesus is than we currently do. The more we believe this truth, not just with our minds, but with our hearts, will we experience this joy because we will live in light of this joy. But right now, I think a lot of times we, we, we only think about it kind of hypothetically and we're not drawing deep in our relationship with God. If Jesus is our true joy, if Jesus is literally joy, which we're saying today he is, then in order to have this joy, we have to have more and more of Jesus. You tracking with that? Right? That's easy math, right? Like if Jesus is joy, we need more of Jesus and we don't tap into our true joy enough. Look at John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So one of the ways that joy is found is in understanding and hearing the words of Jesus. Right? That's pretty plain, right? Like as we understand what Jesus has spoken to us, he will give us his joy and we will have more joy in him. And so Jesus has spoken most plainly, consistently, and clearly in the word of God. That's why we preach out of the word of God. That's why we submit under the word of God. Because we believe that this word of God is for our joy. That as we hear the words more and understand them and live them out, we can actually be uh, filled with more and more joy in Christ. And so that's why we spend time in scripture to tap into this joy. In fact, there are many places in the New Testament where it actually commands your joy. Like it commands you to have joy. How is it that you can command joy? Because joy is not an emotion, right? Like I cannot command your happiness right now. Jana, be happy. I can't say that, right? Matter of fact, the way I said it would definitely not make her happy, right? But I, I cannot command somebody's happiness. Now, I can maybe try to make jokes or do something that would produce some happiness, but I can't command it. But so many New Testament authors command our joy, right? Why is that? Because joy is not just an emotion. It's something that you can gain more of. If there's a commandment for it, you must be able to have more of it. You talking with that? And so if they're commanding, we must be able to have more and more of it well, how do we do that? It's by believing in Jesus because Jesus is our literal joy. And as we grow in our relationship with him, we grow in our joy. First Thessalonians 5.16 says, rejoice always. <laughs> always rejoice, always have joy, right? Uh, 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 Philippians 4, verse 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Philippians 3.1, Paul says to rejoice in the Lord. Once again, mind you, writing while he's in jail, <laughs> right? One of the places where you should not have a lot of joy and the way we normally define it, Paul says, no, rejoice. I am happy, Paul is saying, because he's tapped into true joy. And so if it is commanded, we should be able to receive it more fully. C.S. Lewis was a very popular, uh, really theologian and a lot of people's hero in a lot of different ways. And he wrote about this idea in mere Christianity. Let me remind you real quick, C.S. Lewis actually uses the word happiness, but he's speaking about joy. He doesn't use the word joy. He's British, I guess. It's just a little bit different, all right? But when he's using the word happiness, he's speaking on joy. He says, God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. 
He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. This is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us happiness or joy and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. God is our joy. Psalm verse 43 or chapter 43 verse 4 says, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God my God. This is why we sing praise and worship songs every week. This is why we want you to sing out to the Lord. Because as you sing out to the Lord, it reminds you of the joy that you have in Christ. David says, hey, I go and I sing and I'm reminded of my joy. Psalm verse 4, chapter 4, verse 7 says, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Here David says that joy is even deeper than, than what most people think brings them happiness. Grain and wine or, or riches and pleasure is what he's saying. Like usually we think we need money to bring us comfort or, or that marriage will finally bring us comfort or, 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 or that job will finally bring us what we're looking for. And David says, no, I go to God who's my exceeding joy. He's more joyous to me than all those things could ever be. Right? Joy is not an emotion. David has something deeper than an emotion here. David has a conviction of the soul that he is God's and God is his. This brings about a joy that people would sell the world to receive. People would sell all they have to receive the joy that David has, but they don't have to because Jesus already sold everything to win us. That joy can be had as we believe and understand more and more of who Christ is. Joy is the fruit of a right relationship with God. It's not something that, that can be created on our own efforts per se. As we draw closer to God, we begin to experience this joy more and more. In fact, that's why we can have joy in our trial because trial often forces us to lean into God in ways that we are not used to. And as we lean into God more and more, as we understand him more and more, our joy increases and produces more and more in our heart. And so as we get closer and closer to him, we'll realize that he is all we truly have and that he is truly our joy. So joy in the Christian life is in direct proportion to the believer's walk with the Lord. As you are walking closer and closer with the Lord your God, you will receive this joy more and more. For as Christ is joy, and if the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, if that's the fruit of the Spirit, then the more we get to walk in Him, the more we will receive this in Christ. Look at Psalm 16, verse 11. If my mother-in-law was not against tattoos, this would definitely be another one I would get. <laughs> Good thing she's not here today. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Man, preach, David. At your right hands are pleasures forevermore. So we must be in the presence of God to believe and experience this joy. True joy is found at the throne and the altar of God. And friends, Jesus was our true example of joy, was he not? Like, wasn't Jesus our true example we already read in Hebrews 12 that Jesus suffered, yet was still joyful. So now we too, when we suffer, we can be joyful because Jesus was our example that was before us. The same spirit that lived in Jesus that produced a joy in Jesus is the same spirit that dwells inside of us that can produce a joy in us. Not only this though, but Jesus experienced perfect intimacy with the Father. Right? Like as we talk about, so we said suffering is one reason and then our, our, our lack of pursuit of God is one reason. Jesus always pursued God to perfection. Right? 
Like Jesus was always perfect with the Father. He and God were one. Matter of fact, in John 17, 13, he says, but now I am coming to you that these things I speak in the world that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. And then he goes on and says, as I am one with you and you are one with me, so I want them to be one with me. Jesus had a perfect relationship with God. And so Jesus was our perfect example of how it is that we can have joy. But friends, listen to this, okay? Even more than our perfect example, which Jesus was, do you know that there was a moment where Jesus was completely cut off from joy? If God is joy, if Jesus is joy, which we're saying is Christ our joy, we say, God forsook Jesus on the cross. There was a moment in human history where God was separated from God and this divine mystery to save you and I. And so Jesus goes up on the cross and is hanging there and it says God turned his face away from Jesus. If true presence is found in relationship with God, at that moment there was no more relationship. God turned away from Jesus, poured the wrath that was due to you and to me onto Jesus' body that you and I may have joy forever because Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And at that moment, he had no more joy. The joy was gone. All he knew was the wrath of God, the, the trial of God. Jesus was not just our example, but he was the fulfillment of for us so that now you and I may have complete and perfect joy in him. We will never be separated from joy anymore because Jesus was separated for us. Now you and I can have perfection forever because Jesus was that for us. By faith, by believing in him, we can experience a joy that is inexpressible, joy that is everlasting, joy that carries us through the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the peaks and the valleys, through suffering or rejoicing, whatever it may be, we can have joy forever now because Jesus was separated for us. That's why Christ is not just our perfect example, but he is literally our joy that as we believe in him, as we draw near to this relationship, we can grow in the joy with him. This Christmas, as we're thinking about the four Advent pieces, hope, love, as we think about joy, remember, Christ was joy for you, friends. Christ was separated from God so that you would never have to be, that you can experience joy everlasting. I love you guys. Let's pray. You know, I wanna, I wanna do something really quick. While you're praying, if, if you've been experiencing a lot of suffering, a lot of trials recently, maybe you haven't felt very joyful, maybe you've felt a little bit discouraged or frustrated or, 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 or really just tempted and burdened with that. Maybe you've just had a dry season with the Lord. If you feel like you have not been experiencing the, the joy that God would have for us, if you feel like there's just been uh, even a blockage maybe, would you raise your hands for me and keep your hands up for a second? May I just pray for you for a minute? All of you who raised your hands, 
God, would you remind us who raised our hands, God, that you are our joy, Jesus. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fret. You suffered for us, Christ. You love us. You will never separate us from your love. You are for us. There is no condemnation for us who believe in you. God, while I do ask for a removal of suffering to some extent, God, I still know that oftentimes suffering does produce true joy, God. And so do what you need to do in our lives that we would have more and more joy in you, Jesus. Minister to our hearts, God, through your words, through prayer, through worship, through fellowship, through confession, through all the means that you have for us, baptism and communion and all the different things that we get to partake that remind us of you. Would you continue to remind our hearts of you, Christ? God, give us the friends we need that will encourage us. Give us the conviction in our hearts that will challenge us. God, I pray for everybody that's just been wrestling with this joy, God. Would you minister to them right now, Jesus? I want to also do this. And you do not have to raise your hand. Uh, I'm not trying to call you out. But I think that for a lot of us, I, I would say maybe you're unsure if you've actually ever really come into a relationship with Christ or not. Maybe you haven't experienced true depth of joy because you've never experienced true relationship with Christ. You've never placed your faith in him to follow him. And if that's you, you don't have to raise your hand uh, uh, appear publicly, but would you kind of raise your heart, if you will? <laughs> Acknowledge maybe, you know what, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus or not. I hear what he's saying, but I've never experienced that. I've never seen that, and maybe that's you. Listen, we're, we're glad you're here, and I would love to just pray for you too and ask God, would you please continue to reveal yourself? God, where if, if people don't know whether they know you or not, would you begin to minister to them, show them what it looks like to have a relationship with you? God, maybe even today, as your arms are extended and opened, would you, Holy Spirit, move in them that they would believe in you, Jesus? They would have relationship with you, God. They would walk in newness of life. God, there are people in here who do not know you yet as Lord and Savior. Would you please do a work in their hearts that they may, that you would be blessed forever and ever by their name, that they would be able to have joy forever and ever, for you are our joy, Jesus. God, we love you. I pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Um. At the three different corners of the rooms, two on the side, one in the back, there's a place for communion. And I would encourage you, stay, worship with us. Worship through these few songs that we're going to sing. And at some point, when you prepare your heart and when you feel ready to take communion, go and, and take communion. And communion is a reminder for us of what Jesus has done for us, that Jesus was our joy, that he gave himself up that we may have relationship with God. And so at any point during the worship, when you feel ready, maybe you can even go with your family, go take a piece of the bread, rip it off as a reminder of his body broken for you. Dip it in the juice, which is a reminder of the new covenant of his blood, which was spilled out for you, that by belief in him, you may have relationship with God. And so as you feel prepared, you can do that. 
We're also going to have some ushers that will come forward and take this morning's tithes and offerings. It's a time for us to give back to God joyously. Scripture commands us to give joyously.